Hello, and welcome to Third Eyed Mind, your spiritual podcast for all things meditation, affirmation, and just some good old chit chat. My name is Megan. I am your host, and I'm excited today as we're going to be talking about my life and what I have gone through to kind of allow me to get to this level of headspace. I know it's weird, um, but at the same time, I feel like you guys know a good amount about me if you've been here, and if you don't, I am someone that has gone through a lot of bullshit to get myself here. And I'll start with my younger years. As a child, I never felt seen, never felt heard. I am one of three sisters, and well, four sisters, sorry, there's four of us. And my mom and dad, you know, they're still together. And we had two dogs growing up, nothing crazy. Uh, But for me, my life consisted of competing against my sisters and doing what my mom wanted me to do. And my mom and I have had conversations about this and my dad, like me and my dad maybe don't see eye to eye with this, but my mom, you know, when someone tells you how you make them feel, my mom used to really fight it and she used to be like, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And now my mom's like, okay, maybe I did that. Like she even admitted to me that, you know, I did take a back burner on a lot of things and it was really hard to hear that. And You know, I don't love my parents any differently. They did what they could with what they knew, right? My parents are both from five plus kids, right? Both my parents have five siblings. um, And my mom is the only one of four boys and then her. And then my dad has two sisters and, you know, three two brothers. Um, So they understand like kind of like they grew up in a big family. So they had a big family and they understand like what it's like to be that child. But at the same time, is a lot of negativity that surrounds that and they will never see my childhood the way I saw it. I lived a very, very great childhood in some aspects. Uh, I will say I definitely did. Uh, My parents made sure that they provided for us in the way that they could with very little money, um, very little time, very little minimal effort. Think about having four girls. (laughs) All you guys are doing is going to dance and going to softball and going to dance and going to softball. Like everything was about dance. My whole family, everything was about dancing. All we did was dance. And my mom was a dancer. And my great, not my great grand, my grandfather was a dancer with Arthur Murray. Um, and if you know who Arthur Murray is, he's like an old school, awesome guy um, who was a really good dancer and tapper. And, you know, I have that. I have that ability. My sisters have that ability. Each one of us can dance. Um, my youngest sister did not competitively dance, but me and my me, my middle sister and my older sister all competitively danced. So I danced for about 16 years. And that's when I was done. But I never wanted to dance. I never wanted to dance. All I wanted to do was box. I wanted to fight. I wanted to fight people. That's what I wanted to do. And maybe it's because I had so much negativity in my mind. Like, think about it. My parents' beliefs, like, were projected onto me. And that's just how it works, right? Like, your parents project their beliefs onto you. The people that raise you project that onto you. And I found that my sisters were receiving more attention than I was. And it was really, really hard for me. And I don't think my parents really realized it because they were so busy with everything else. Like my dad worked 24-7. Like when I tell you 24-7, he worked 24-7. He got injured. Someone hit him with a car. Um, And it's weird because full circle, I took after my dad and became like, I went into the auto body field. um, And full circle, I actually met the guy that backed into my father. And he like still feels bad, but he became addicted to like, perks and stuff like it was a big big mess um but my dad didn't maybe my dad did I don't know if he did I I don't really know I don't ask these questions for him but the guy that backed into my father and like completely destroyed my dad's back um 
he like apologized to me for it when I saw him. And I'm like, why are you apologizing to me? He's like, because you guys were so little. Like you guys were so young and your dad was out of work and he was the provider. And then my mom had to go find a job. My mom had to go work. So it became crazy. And then my mom was working two jobs and trying to make ends meet. And we were living off of like SpaghettiOs and Kraft macaroni and cheese and pasta and pizza. And I developed a problem with food. Um, but I think about how I grew up and as a child, like, my dad, like, with the spinal fusion he had to have, he was out of work for a while. And he had to become the sole parent as my mom went off and worked. But my problems with food started a lot with the kids who didn't accept me. And I found that, found that food was a comfort. And food still is a comfort for me. If you know me, like, literally go to my personal Instagram. It's food. Food. <laughs> food, my car, my dogs, and me. Um, that's literally my life. I love food. Food is, like, one of my favorite things. I love to cook. If you don't know me, you'll know that I love to cook now. Because cooking, literally, if you eat my food, I'm like, oh my God, is it good? Like, I get so excited when you like it. I, I get so excited. I'm so, like... It's the little things for me. Very much the little things. I'm not impressed by anything materialism-wise. Like, I am impressed by the way you cook and the, <laughs> the way you show up for yourself. That's what impresses me. But I learned to cook from my father and my my nana. Um, I, they're, you know, Italian. I learned to cook from them. And I find that, like, food really was my comfort as a kid. And I was always, like, on the chunkier side. And, like that was like the biggest thing for me. Like think about it when you don't have the money to afford like proteins and things like that, like you're eating pasta and hot dogs. But like my sisters were so active that they could burn it off. But I got my mom's side of the gene. And I say that in the weirdest way. Like you guys will understand one side of your family is heavier than the other, right? Like if you guys ever notice that, like it's like a trend. So my mom's side, they all have the obesity problem and huge boobs. <laughs> I got that gift and I had to cut them off because they just were killing my back pain arthritis wise. Um, but yeah, like they, they all were obese. All they did was eat my, my aunt. Okay. My aunt, we would go there. Like I spent most of my time with my aunt on the weekends. Like she had a campground up in New Hampshire and I would drive up there with her and my uncle and my aunt would literally put up like a stick of butter and like six potatoes like mashed potatoes like she knew I love mashed potatoes like she would literally spoil the crap out of me and my sister because she had no grandkids it was just us until she had grandkids then she forgot all about us and you know you know how it works people just do what was feasible for them and yeah it was really really like everybody was just feeding me I always ate like if you went to our Christmas and our Thanksgiving like our Easter we always had like three courses so I always ate always ate and I loved carbs. I love starches. Potatoes are a food group. They're my only food group. They're my main food group. But as a kid, I did not realize just like how prominent my eating was. And like when I was 12 years old, I was literally trying to run and I was eating smart ones to burn off like that. Like I was overweight in dance class and, you know, the costumes didn't fit me the way the other girls did. I always had like a bigger belly and God, I wish I could go back to those days because I was not fat and people just called me fat all the time. Like I was always the ugly fat friend going into like elementary school and then going into like middle school. Middle school was really rough for me. Uh, my mom took us out of school in elementary when I was in fifth grade. We graduated fifth grade. I bawled my eyes out because all my friends, like I had friends, right? And now they're still friends to this day, the people I was friends with. And I mean, I'm no longer friends with them, but you know, I wish them well, you know, I, I wish them well, but 
for me, I wasn't friends with them for two whole years. Like I hung out with them here and there, but those two years that I was in Catholic school, that my mom put me in Catholic school, because she didn't want me to go to the, the middle school, those two years were the best years of my life because I got to meet people who genuinely cared about me and didn't judge me or nothing. Like those kids in Chevers, I was like the popular girl. I was. I had like people like writing me letters. I had some kid buy me like a white diamond gold necklace. Like they were all like more wealthier children. Um, and we weren't. My mom couldn't afford it. My dad couldn't afford it anymore. So they had to pull us out. Four girls in Catholic school. Yeah, it's not cheap. So they pulled us out and I went back to eighth grade with the kids and I was bullied. Like my friends weren't really my friends in that moment. And they met other friends and... It was so hard. When I tell you so hard, I had one of the girls pull the chair out from underneath me when I tried to sit. Uh, she put water on the chair when I sat down so it looked like I peed my pants. I had one of the girls that I was close with as a kid literally sat there and made up a lie that I was talking bad about someone else. And then she confronted me and like the other girl that was talking bad, like the girl that was being talked bad about confronted me. It was like, why are you talking shit? I didn't do this. I was like, I didn't do that. I didn't say that. And it was really the other girl. And I'm still in my hometown. So I still see these people here and there. Um, and they're still in the same headspace, which is really interesting because, you know, you think you outgrow the talking shit and stuff, but they didn't. They truly didn't. And it's really hard because I remember when I was like that and I didn't outgrow it. So, you know, you have to want to outgrow that stuff, right? But it's kind of like a cover up for them too, because they're not happy with how they look or their life or things like that. So I don't, you know, wish them any harm or anything. But going from middle school into high school was some of the hardest years of my life. I was so depressed, um, very, very depressed. And my parents didn't know how to handle that. And when I met my boyfriend, which my ex-boyfriend, um, he, I don't even know how to explain it. I was like, we used to run around the town and, and like, literally, like, we were, like, kids. We'd run around our town because our town was so quiet. We could do anything in our town. It didn't matter. Like, our town was so quiet. And I'd run around the town with my friends. And, like, I met him one night. And from that point forward, like, we started dating. It was so unhealthy. Oh, my God. It was, like, my first boyfriend ever. Like, I had, like, little flings before that on, like, AIM. And, you know, when he was hyping on there, like, in MySpace. But when I met him, it was like, okay, this is great. This is awesome. Um, needless to say, that was one of the most toxic relationships that I've had, um, relationship wise. I was very abusive. He was like mentally abusive. Um, like I wasn't like very, I, can't, I say very abusive, but I wasn't, I think like I was just very angry and he was a boxer and he taught me how to fight with, you know, my dad taught me how to fight too, but like he taught me how to fight. I would go to his boxing like matches and stuff. And like, I just had this thing for fighting. I love to fight. Like if you looked at me the wrong way, I would punch you in the face. I'm not even kidding when I say that guys, this is why I am who I am right now. Because I was a really troubled kid, very troubled kid in certain aspects. And I found out Mark was cheating on me. Oh, I just said his name regardless. Um, I found out he was cheating on me. Uh, and I literally looked up the girl on MySpace and she, I went over and this is MySpace era, and I literally hid in her closet with her brother and another kid while she sat on the bed making out with him, and then I, like, came out of the closet. That sounds so wrong. Uh, I came out of the closet, and he was like, what are you doing here? Oh, my God, and then he had to drive me home, so we were fighting and arguing, and I whipped a full can of Monster at his head. Um, we were going like 80 miles an hour. I whipped a full can of monster at his head. Like I was punching him. Like I'm surprised we didn't crash that night. It was really, really bad. And I'm open about this stuff because 
I feel like it's something in a lot of people's realities where we have struggled with our anger and it was never okay. What I did was not okay. And I have seen him since and I believe I did apologize like back in 2013 or 2012. Um, but it was really hard for me. It was really, 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 really hard for me. And I never had a boyfriend, never had someone that cheated on me. And it was like the end of the world. So I wanted to get back at him. So what did I do? I went and hung out with his friends. And what does a girl do at 17 years old, 16 years old? What does she do? She goes out and hangs out with men that are his friends. And those men take advantage of her because that's what they did. And I did some things I'm not proud of. Uh, but at the same time, I did what I did and I experienced what I experienced. And I was hurt. So I was okay with hurting other people. I started hanging out with the wrong crowd at that point. That's when it got really bad for me. Like I distanced myself from the kids I grew up with and then I just started pottying. That's all I did. Drink, smoke, drink, smoke, drink, smoke. I was selling like pills, drink, smoke, selling pills. Um, it was a consistent cycle and like I didn't have any ambition to, to do anything, anything. Like when I graduated high school, I barely graduated. My dad had to pay for me to graduate. Like he had to pay for me to take more classes to graduate. It was something called Novanet, and it was like I had to sit there on Saturdays after school. Like, it really was at the point where my parents, like, my dad worked in, went, like, this place that's, like, 35 minutes away. And I need a ride home from school. My sister wouldn't give me a ride home from school. Her boyfriend would here and there. But my sister was too busy that she wouldn't give me a ride. And, like, I think about how much trauma I've had to endure here, right, with all this shit. So... My parents, when my sisters got older, my dad would drive all the way from his work just to pick my younger sisters up. But he wouldn't do that for me. So, like, you, you see, like, where my headspace is at with, like, all the things that I have gone through that people maybe don't see. Like, the little things, they add up. They definitely add up. And I became very suicidal. So, I was very suicidal um, from the age of, like, 16. Like, my ex had to physically stop me from killing myself one night. Um... It was very bad. And my mom, um, my mom had to stop me. And then I stopped myself because it didn't work. Um, I tried numerous different ways. So trigger warning. Um, if this is something you don't want to listen to, fast forward about a minute, maybe less. Um, I tried hanging myself from my light post. Not light po it's not a light post. What is it? The ceiling fan? Well, don't do that because that didn't work. Um, and that was not fun. And I tried suffocating myself with a pillow. I've tried cutting myself. I actually got all the tattoos on my arms. If this is something maybe none of you know about me, I'm being very vulnerable here. <laughs> but I feel like it's important that you guys understand my life. Um, and this is just like the main things. There's so much that goes that I probably don't even freaking remember. But I got tattoos on my arms to cover up a lot of my scars from cutting. Um, I even went into my parents' basement like a month ago. And my razor blade was still there. And I had to throw it away. It was very, very hard. But those are things I don't talk about. And when I did all these things, I wasn't thinking about anybody but myself. And I remember my mom talking about how selfish I was. And it had nothing to do with her. I mean, I was the black sheep of the family. I was a kid that nobody really cared about. If you talk to everybody in my family, even my grandmother, right before she died, she's like, they treated you so differently. Everybody saw it. Everybody started. My own godparents favored my sister over me. My godparents literally like went and got me like a Victoria's Secret pink gift card because that's what worked for my older sister. She told them what she wanted and they got me that too. Knowing that I shopped at Hot Topic, <laughs> like, you know, like they saw that I was literally in Slipknot shirts, like dark eyeliner, like baggy pants. Like they, they saw all this and 
they didn't care. You know, like I, I, if you asked anybody, you could ask them to this day, they'd still tell you like, yeah, you're the black sheep. You're the one that was treated differently. And it's really hard for my parents to hear that. And at the end of the day, it's not my problem that it's hard to hear that because I had to endure what I had to endure. And I can see it from my perspective, even if they don't see it that way. So it was really hard for me suicide wise. Um, I was seeing three different therapists. I would have literally, they carved out a specific thing for me. I was such a troubled kid in school. I wouldn't go to school. I had teachers coming to my house to pick me up. My teachers cared so much, which is weird because one of the teachers, um, he's a quadriplegic. Uh, he got in a really bad hockey accident. And if it wasn't for him and um, one of the other teachers, I probably wouldn't have graduated because they really pushed me. And now he is um, married to my sister's ex-husband's mom. So he is a grandfather to my nieces and nephews. My, my niece and nephews. Um, so it, it's full circle. It always comes back around, right? But he's a great guy. Uh, and he helped me. He truly did. So I didn't realize how bad it affected me going into like 18, 19. I was just like fueling my life with alcohol. And like I threw parties all the time. Like I always had a party. People knew me as a person that partied. They wanted to party. They came to me. They knew I'd have alcohol. They knew I'd have something to get them high. Like, they didn't care. They came to me and hung out. And it wasn't like I was, like, a drug dealer or anything. But I always had, like, um, oxys. And it was really bad. Um, I would take them from my dad and sell them. And he knows that. Um, but it was not easy to work through any of these things. So I was using outlets. I was using men. I was using the attention of men. And I wasn't even, like... I wasn't the best looking girl, right? Like I had a bob for a haircut. Like I was chunkier. I had huge boobs. Guys just liked my boobs. Um, and it was really, really hard for me to find someone to settle down with. And then I ended up just partying and partying and then stopped talking to the people I was partying with. I found a new group of friends. I just went from friend group to friend group to friend group. I never truly found people that understood me. Never. When I tell you to this day, I never found anybody that understood me. Never. Like, they never got me. They never truly understood me. And I really realized it, like, heavy. So I would find different friend groups. And then I would have them blend together and be friends. And then when I turned, like, 21, I was with my ex-boyfriend. Um, and he cheated on me as well. And is now married to the girl that he cheated on me with and has kids with her. And it was, like, a year relationship. But he literally, like, each one of these men told me they loved me and then left me. So I had a lot of abandonment wounds, a lot of issues. So when I met my husband, it was like, he, I pursued him. And I didn't really realize how much I pursued him. And those years of like pursuing men and like going out and partying, I just like remained the party girl. All I wanted to do was drink. So I used alcohol to cope until I was 30 years old. Can you imagine that? I used alcohol to cope from like the age of 13 to 30. That's all I did. Like, I would literally pour, I can remember it to this day, I would steal my dad's basic cigarettes. That's what they were called, basic. Or they were called the vanilla cigars that he would get. These, like, these, they were in, like, the form of a cigarette. And I would pour the alcohol into the Twin Mountain little water bottles. And my sister would have to come pick me up because I was passed out drunk. Um, and I would come home to my family and I'd be wasted. Like, and it was bad. It was really bad. And when I got older... I really didn't realize how much alcohol was affecting my life. Like, I would sit here home. Like, me and Chris, like, got married in, like, oh, I think it was 2019. But we've been together since 2013. And we kind of hid it from our friends because they didn't want the friend group to be split up. And it was weird. But I pursued him fully and kept pursuing him. And I 
don't regret it. But I said to myself as a kid, like I mean, my mom will even say it to you. I told myself I was going to marry a Chris and I married a Chris. We all have our flaws, right? We all go through things and we built our relationship off of a trauma bond because he has pain and I have pain. So think about like my life was full of pain and then I meet Chris uh, and he loses his dog when I start dating him. Like he had to emergency put his like puppy down and who was a lot. And he came from a rich family and I came from a not so rich family. We were rich in love as where his family wasn't and still aren't. So, you know, you see how the process works here. Um, so I pursued Chris and then Chris grew a trauma bond over me and I grew a trauma bond over him. So the past couple years for us have been crazy and really hard because with my spiritual awakening and losing our dog, like our, our son, we have truly become different people and we're trying to work through it now but that's not important here right now that's between me and him but you know I'm honest with you guys with what I go through so yeah those th those years were very hard for me I battled endometriosis um for years like when I say years they told me I was lactose intolerant at the ripe age of 13 or 12 one of the two and they just went with that like I had very painful pain for years around my time and they just told me that I was lactose intolerant. Imagine that, telling someone she's lactose intolerant when in reality she has endometriosis that's completely infiltrating her whole body. So it took me until I was 21, um, well, I was 20, I was in Florida with my ex and I almost like passed out and then I came home, went to the hospital. I think this kind of scared him away as well too, which I'm kind of glad it did because I just dated him. I found him on a dating app, plenty of fish. <laughs> And I just dated him just because. Um, and then I be developed a trauma bond and trying to control him. It was not fun. And he was doing the same to me. Um, but, you know, you're supposed to date who you're supposed to date. But it caused me to get even worse. So when I met Chris, I met Chris years ago um, through mutual friends. And I re-met him again um, after I had a surgery in September of 2013. And then we just, like, started spending a lot of time together. Like, it was like, we went to, like, as a friends, like, all of us, like, we went to, like, a haunted house, we went out for birthdays, like, his best friend was my best friend, and I was, like, the family that we were friends with, we were best friends, like, I was best friends with the daughter and one of the sons, and he was, like, best friends with one of the sons and the daughter, so we were both best friends with the same people, we just never really hung out, and then it kind of clicked, he helped me study one night, and we were watching a football game, and he helped me study, and then it kind of clicked and we were together ever since, but he met me when I had that surgery. So I just remember being so kind and sweet and loving. And then for my birthday that year, he went and bought me a cake and <laughs> one of the other kids and it said, happy birthday, hot stuff. And like, I just remember from that point forward, like we went on a date in November and from that point forward, we saw each other and I literally like slept there every night. And we ended up buying a house together um, in 2015, got our first dog together. And, you know, we developed a lot in that aspect because think about how much pain I was in. Like, if you know anything about endometriosis, it causes severe pain throughout your whole body. Um, and I was in so much pain and he had a back injury and he had like anxiety, like he still does. And he has anxiety with like IBS really bad. I don't know why I'm getting emotional. But he literally watched me through all of that. And I had to watch him through his. So I've been always been very lenient. Most people are like, why did you go home and cook for him? Or why did you do things for him? Like, I truly wanted him to get better. And I wanted to get better. And we were like really bonding ourselves traumatically. Because all we wanted to do was stay home with our dog. <laughs> 
And for like two or three years, all me and Chris did was stay home with our dog. And then we got like the whole like news that I had to have. Um, if I wanted to get pregnant, I had to do it now because it was attacking my uterus and I was like, really, I had to have a hysterectomy. Um, the endometriosis was just like, infiltrating my body. So we tried and we failed for a whole year. I was overweight. Um, he had a problem with his stuff. I had a problem with my stuff. And then we did IVF and it worked. And then I miscarried and then I had a hysterectomy a year later. So Think about, I've had 13 surgeries while being with Chris from 2013 until, I think I've had more than that actually, but the ones I can remember were from 2013 until that moment, um, this, what, two years ago. So we've had a hard, a hard few years together. We've been together 10 years. Um, it's been hard. It's not easy. I don't think any relationship is easy, but he has literally been there through every painful moment of my life. And, and like in my adult years and he sees what I see he understands it and it's really hard it's like I don't know why I'm so emotional it's really hard like I don't usually talk about my life this deeply so I think that's why it's like getting to me now but I didn't realize how much my life has been affected by all these things I've gone through I lost my best friend and miscarried and my grandfather in the same year um, and that's when I, in that year I found out, like, I, I, listen, it gets worse. In that year, they completely damaged my nerve in my hand, in my left hand. So I was an avid snowmobiler. All I did was ride the sleds. But after my friend died, I stopped snowmobiling to an extent, but we were going to go back to it after, like, we had the baby. And then I miscarried and I went to the hospital for an infection in my uterus after I miscarried and they stuck an IV in my wrist and they damaged my my nerve and they still are denying it even though they did and like they're not allowed to go through your vein in that way and they did. So that happened and it was not fun and I was like, I'm an auto damage appraiser. I live bumpers, tires, like I'm literally working with cars getting dirty on the ground all day long and I couldn't do my job anymore. Um... But I st stuck through it and I would have like the guys at the shops that I would go to like pick it up for me. They were the best. Um, some of them were awesome. And I just remember like after I had that like miscarriage and after I lost like the function in my hand, like my life changed after that. And that's when I sought out a medium who kind of like she was just fake and she wasn't real. Um, she was intuitive, but she literally looked all my information up on Facebook and she gave me Reiki before I had hysterectomy. It did not work because um, <laughs> she was just like pretending to give me Reiki while her dog barked in like her kitchen. It was really weird. Um, <laughs> I just I forgot about that. Uh, and then, you know, after that, I had to have a hysterectomy. So my doctor waited a whole year, a whole year of me in extreme pain. Couldn't do anything. So after I had that, it was really hard for me. So I met a, uh, a medium and I won a reading on like a free like, psychic site um on Facebook like a free group and that's when she became my teacher she's like you know you have these abilities I'm like I've known my whole life I've always been interested in spiritual shit I've always been interested in ghosts I was obsessed with paranormal shit and graveyards and cemeteries and ghosts my whole life so really it just worked and then that was in 2020 uh, no 2019 and now I'm here um it's been a wild ride you know me and me and Chris have gone through a lot together and you don't want to give up on anybody. You know, you want to help them. You want to work through some shit together. But at the same time, we're understanding who we are. I'm not the same person I was when he met me. And, you know, he may be very same or similar to who he was. But he's growing. He has his growth. 
Um, and I appreciate what he does and who he is and how he supports me and my goals and achieving my goals. But at the same time, you know, we, we don't know where we're at right now. We're just discovering who we are again. And I didn't really believe people when they said, when you turn 30, you really discover who you are. Like the past like years have been really hard for me. I was sexually assaulted. Um, I was almost abducted just walking on my street. I've lived in the same town my whole freaking life. Walked that street numerous times with my dogs. I went for a run one day and that happened. Um, this was all last year. I was sexually assaulted. Um, was it last year? Nope, the year, bef year before that? I don't remember what year it was, but whatever. The past couple years have been nothing but hectic for me. I've gone through like three or four friend groups. Um, and... Yeah, I'm just here now and I'm trying to discover like, like this is, this is just the light basic stuff. I'm trying to discover who I am through all of this. And I find that a lot of people don't know who they are, but it's important for you to digress your trauma like this. Like sit here and have a full conversation about your life. And really like, it's like eye opening for me even talking to you guys about this because yeah, it's 30 minutes of my life, but at the same time, like it's really important that you guys understand who I am. And know that like you're not alone going through the things you go through in life. And if you listen to this all the way through, I appreciate you. I appreciate you being here and just listening. Um, I just find it's important that you know the person that you follow or that you listen to. It's really important because a lot of people can tell you what you want to hear. And I'm going to say it that way. I'll say it in this way because this is what I've learned. If there's anything I have learned through my spiritual journey, people will always tell you what you want to hear and they could be the worst person in the world. Knowing who that person is can really help you understand things, can really help you understand things about them and why they teach the way they do and why they converse the way they do. I've learned from people who really weren't the greatest people um, and then their trauma projected into things. So I find that it's important that you guys know who I am and know what I've gone through to understand how I got here. I'm not this lighthearted person that I always was. I was a very mean, negative, nasty person to the point where I would not hesitate to hurt you because you hurt me. And now I'm just sending love and I don't do that anymore. And it's important to know that like there's better things out there than fighting and arguing. And if I can grow through all of that, you guys can too. Let this be your inspiration to know that you can go through some of the worst goddamn things in your life and you can still be here and shine the light that you want to shine your light on. I hope you guys have a beautiful day. Thanks for listening to me ramble and talk about my life. And I appreciate you guys greatly. I hope your day is as amazing as you are.